the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. 602-508-0960 is the number, and it's your show here on out. We're talking about uh, some stuff I was covering in my monologue uh, being kicked off by the um, UN ambassador, the, uh, the United States ambassador to the UN, I should say, the United States ambassador to the UN, the person who represents the United States of America in front of the United Nations. Uh, said yesterday to uh, the National Action uh, Network, uh, that's Al Sharpton's organization, that um, uh, that uh, the original sin of slavery weaved white supremacy into our founding documents and principles. And I just noted um, what an odd thing it was how much more racial racially observant, uh, and racially intense. I guess that's a good way to put it. Racially observant and racially intense we have become um, over the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. Maybe less, maybe more. I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd love your sense of it, and I'd love your explanations as to why. Demetrius was speaking to us in the last hour, <clears throat> and I asked him to hold over so he can give us his uh, his theories. But before we do that, <clears throat> let me reset this with a call, part of a call we had in the last hour from a young man in Phoenix named Dylan, who's 28 years old, who I thought put this issue perfectly. I'm 100% Caucasian. That is my. And how opinion. old are you? 28 years old. Uh huh. I and I'm Christian. I am, or what I feel to be, and I'm not playing victim here, but I am a target in the United States right now. I am the enemy to a lot of different people because I am a white male who believes in God. And that's just as racist as anything else, but I'm not sitting there playing victim. It doesn't matter what color I am. What really irritates me is that my niece is... Uh, half black. My nephew is full black, and they actually have to live with this, and they have to be looked at when they're out with their uncle, myself. They have to be looked at and judged because they're with a white guy. They're walking around with a white guy, and it's disgusting. It hurts me to actually watch people stare us down, and it doesn't hurt me because they're looking at me. It hurts me because they're looking at my niece and nephew who don't understand yet why they're being looked at like that. And it, it sucks. It, it needs to stop. People are people. I could care less what color of skin you are. If you're a good person, you're a good person. If you're a bad person, you're a bad person. Dylan, thank I, you. Thank you for uh, repeating that, Bill. That's the clip I want. Uh, we're going to keep that around. Uh, Demetrius and Phoenix, thanks for holding and staying with us. 
Demetrius, when did this start? When did this and how did it start? Because we were, we didn't used to be there. I, you know, I, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little older. I, I, I went to Vietnam in 1968. I stayed in the military for 30 years. We, we had some a lot of racial tension during the late the late 60s, up to about the mid-70s. And then it started to, it started to go away. You know, there was, there was, there would always be tension, but I mean, not to that extent. And as we progressed, you know, I, I didn't feel that people were, were hateful and, and judge, judgmental based on, based on your skin color per se you'd always have those those elements in whatever race that you, there is but i never experienced that my oldest friend in the world is is african american i've known him since i was in cub scouts the thing that i saw start to change was when we started to play the political race game under colder and president obama yeah, a I friend of mine was saying that to me today earlier. A friend of mine was saying that to me earlier. Is that the thing that you would have thought would have finally put the nail in the coffin of um, of the ghoulish notion of America's racism would have been the election of an African-American to the presidency. You would have thought that put the final nail in the coffin when indeed it had the effect of raising more ghouls than we even knew were buried in that coffin. He really, he really poured a lot of fire, a lot of fuel on that fire. Just when we thought his whole raison d'être was to calm that fire and finally put it out. And he used it. He, he used it for political gain and to separate us as a people. And that way, we would be fighting within ourselves, and thus his agenda can, could continue on. Mm-hmm. That the basic changing of the American system, you know, and the ideals of the American system. And as a president, he was my president. I, I you know, I, I never disrespected him. But the policies and, and the rhetoric that he used to call out, we as people, you know, of the Caucasian bent, you know, and, and then pit us against each other. I... I was at times I just I just couldn't believe it. And then, you know, I can't help it that I look like I'm from Vermont. Okay? I'm a sterling Caucasian looking. However, I'm a Sephardic Jew. My father is an Auschwitz survivor. And in the in the Greek Civil War he fought against communism. The thing about what, what kills me is that my father came to this country Looking, this is his his saving grace, the place where he could make it, and he did. And what kills me is that we're tearing this country apart now, because now, because I'm Caucasian, I am the enemy. It's, It's beyond belief. And it hurts me very much. 
You know, this is the overwhelming sentiment, uh, Demetrius. It's not anger. It's hurt. You were hurt. Dylan's hurt. A lot more of us are going to be hurt as well if this continues going much further. And I don't see any reason that it won't. I, um, I was reminded by Larry Elder that before he became the president of the United States, Barack Obama gave a speech at the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge talking about John Lewis and the Martin Luther King generation before him that had made the famous march over that bridge. And he called them the Moses generation. And he said the Moses generation got us 90% of the way there. It is left to we the Joshua generation, the next generation, we the Joshua generation, to carry through the other 10%. As Larry Elder then likes to point out, do you think electing Barack Obama president and then re-electing him president cut somewhere into that 10%? Electing the first African-American and then re-electing him got maybe five out of that 10% that maybe were 95% of the way there. And then something happened. What happened? What happened? Instead of getting us there, we started that presidency with one of those incidents that should have been small but had to be made big. And it had to do with a Harvard Law professor who knew Barack Obama, who got detained and arrested in Cambridge, Massachusetts when the cops mistaked mistaked him for someone trying to break into his house. And it became a national issue because Barack Obama had to weigh in on it. And from the White House lawn, Barack Obama said exactly this. Though we don't have all the facts yet, it's clear that the police acted stupidly. And right there you knew two lies were told. One, he doesn't understand logic because you wouldn't make that conclusion if the previous, if the predicate of the sentence is that you don't have all the facts. Two, it was always going to be about the police and it's always going to be about black and white. And boy, was it for another seven years. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Let me put in a word for my friends at Trades Unlimited, my favorite roofing company in the Valley. Right now, they're focusing on foam roofs where they do an expert job. Not only do foam roofs help insulate from extreme Arizona heat, but they also help insulate your home from exterior noises, and most importantly, they protect your house from water leaks. I have had the privilege of going down to their offices at Trades Unlimited and Warehouse and meeting the team. Susan, team, they are just great people. You're going to like them as much as I do. They have an A-plus rating at the BBB, and uh, after meeting them, as I say, I can tell why. Skills and integrity. 
most of their business is by referral or previous customers, which always tells me a lot about a company. But they're joining us on radio now, and we're delighted to have them. Let me tell you what you get with Trades Unlimited. Quality and service, just the way you'd expect it. Give Trades Unlimited a call at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or find them online at tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Tradesunlimited.com. Let's go to Jim in Phoenix. Hello, Jim. Hi, Seth. Oh, gosh. Um, so I wanted to make a very serious point, but uh, uh, then I was listening to you uh, quote Barack Obama uh, regarding that uh, situation with the uh, Cambridge professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then my sense of humor took over uh, because uh, whereas uh, not all the facts are in yet, I could I could dub in there. Uh, Lord knows we don't need them because here's what we know. Yep. Yep. And we know this. Yep. Never mind the facts. Yep. Yep. He um, he uh, displayed and revealed in stark reality his real and true beingness, and that is the Sololinsky community organizer leftist. He's he's that um, uh, uber alles above everything else. He's that. And I I I I am just so disturbed as an American and as someone I didn't vote for him but I I had such high hopes and I thought okay here's our chance if he is even half what I think he might be mm-hmm. we can we can we can do that last 10% mm-hmm. we can get beyond the goalposts mm-hmm. but um but here's the thing. I, I've actually called in the past and mentioned to you the, the uh, movie Invictus about uh, Nelson Mandela. Yep. And how, um, in my perspective, Barack Obama had this glorious, God-given opportunity to be Nelson Mandela for America. And he went exactly the opposite direction, and I hate him for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a guy. Hate is not my default position, but I hate him like I've never hated anyone or anything for failing to deliver what he was uniquely in a in a position to deliver. And not much has been made of that. And I think somebody needs to do a book. Why wasn't Barack Obama our Nelson Mandela? Mm-hmm. 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 You know what's interesting is um, I was looking at some polling data, Jim, and uh, it's odd, but most Americans tend to agree that race relations worsened under Barack Obama, um, the worsened under him as compared uh, to before him. And, yeah. um, and and that's right. You can you can forgive so many things on what would you say, Jim, uh, transitory or, tra- or or ephemeral policy. You can forgive a lot. Uh, when yes. there's a much bigger thing that uh, that that transcends all those petty differences or those temporary differences that have long-term, durable, consequential uh, meaning, and to um, waste that or worsen it—debatable whether he wasted it or worsened it—to waste I that or worsen that 
is a moral crime you cannot forgive. That is correct, yes. and I do not forgive him. Yeah. Maybe in the next life I will. Yep. I, I, I understand. Don't know. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible, sad shame. It sure is. It sure is. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. You bet. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Charles is in Phoenix. Hello, Charles. Hello, Seth. How you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good. You know, I got so much to say, partly because I had something to call about, which relates to this, and then hearing your other callers brought other things to mind. I wanted to mention that I thought that the reason that we went south with this race relation stuff started in the 1990s with Rodney King and with O.J., where activists, politicians, and the media combined forces to create an atmosphere of hating cops and doing, rather than trial by jury and due process, we are doing trial by mob rule. Mm -hmm. And it's happening today. I mean, I think this woman in... uh, that shot the guy with thinking it was a taser. I think that oh, in whether she's Center. guilty yeah. or not, yeah. it, uh, she she is never going to be treated fairly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the comment that your other caller made about hating Barack Obama, I take it a step farther. I was watching some clips from the Jim Jordan, uh, Dr. Fauci uh, hearing with the Congress, and it was another case of the Democrat congressional people that we see so often on TV are so hateful of Republicans and of Trump supporters and of the general public in common that they are people that hate and they are to be hated because of it. And I heard just, you know, if you remember the Candace Owens hearing at the Congress a couple of years ago, and if you saw any of the one today with Jim Jordan, they were just nasty people, whether it's Maxine Waters, I saw Maxine Waters Adler, told him, and told, on and on. Yeah, I saw Maxine Waters told him to shut his mouth. I think yeah. she actually said that, shut your mouth. Yes, I heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is part and parcel, Charles. I'm going to take a break. You can, you, you're welcome to stay and continue your thoughts if, if, if you, um, if you like. You're always okay. tremendous value added. But this is part and parcel, is it not, of the effort to uh, expand the Supreme Court? We would call it court packing. Um, that Jerry Nadler and Ed Markey and members of Congress put forward today. The idea of expanding the number of Supreme Court justices by four, handily enough, with a Democratic president and a Democratic Senate. Look at how quickly you could change the country that way. But their justification for doing it is that merely they don't like the current members of the Supreme Court. That's their rationale. That's their justification. It's all about ideology and winning and more importantly that anything deemed conservative whether it's john roberts or whether it's alito anything deemed conservative is a violation of americans and america's deepestly held principles that's the kind of overton window shift the democratic party has given us
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602-508-0960 is our number. Uh, we're talking right now with Charles in Phoenix. Uh, Charles, uh, the exacerbation of the uh, race problem here uh, in America. You said you had a few more thoughts, sir. Well, I, I think that uh, tying in the, the the trials with the, the whole thing of, of hoping that Obama would make things better and looking at the Congress, the very radical congressional and some senator, senatorial Democrats, I, I think that I'm seeing in that party, it's not a, a, a shift and it's not a group, a radical group. I think it's a cancer. I think it has reached that point of being a cancer. Those people, and I'm not advocating anything but legal means, so don't get me wrong, but those people have to be removed, and then we can start rebuilding our country's relationship with race. And I think it's, it's very frustrating to me that people, whether they're regular Democrats in the mainstream uh, population, or if they're key Democrats like Biden or Obama or some of the other more traditional Democrats cannot separate themselves from their own party's uh, cancerous elements and cannot stop obsessing over Trump and over other things of that sort and look at their own party. They want the Republicans to look at our party, and they want us to look at, is Kelly Ward too radical? Is Marjorie Taylor Greene too radical. Uh, you have to separate yourself, and you get the Liz Cheney's and the Ben Sasses saying that. But it's a much bigger problem with the Democrats, and I think they've got a far larger group of really uh, acidic, uh, cancerous people. And you see it every time there's a hearing or like this thing with the packing the court presentation that they did, the one guy uh, I forget who it was, he was an older man, said that we had two justices stolen from us. And I mean, they just perpetuate these lies, and the media just jumps right in. And I think you have got to do a surgical cancerous removal. And it sounds harsh, and I don't want people to think that I'm advocating any kind of anarchy, but I'm saying in a political and in a legal sense, you have to eliminate these people. I wonder, Charles, if it's doable. And I'll ask you this. I'll, I'll, I'll say why I ask you this. I wonder if it's doable because you said, you know, it's interesting. They're asking us to, you know, surgically remove our um, certain members in our caucus from time to time. And you can always, you know, pick one or two from time to time. Uh, and we never seem to ask them to remove people from their caucus uh, nor do they ever do it, and 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 I I, I mean no um, I mean no uh, sarcasm with this, and I mean no hyperbole with what I'm about to say, but I don't think they can do it. I don't think they can do it because their entire caucus in the Democratic Party, their entire caucus, is of a pretty singular mind, and the only things to be excised, the only one or two exceptions to it are the ones who are calling out the 98% of that party that you and I call extremist. 
I, I just don't think they can remove their through introspection or otherwise their race obsession. No, I'm frustrated because I agree. I don't believe they can either. I think the best analogy I know of is the movie The Untouchables that Sean Connery was telling um, Kevin Costner, you know, as Elliot Ness. He was saying, how far are you you willing to go? And are you willing to think outside the box and do some things that are going to be necessary? uh, Or are you going to just be part of the crowd that talks about wanting to get rid of Al Capone, but never does it. And so I think that that, that that movie's a good analogy. Now, of course, they went to violent means. That's part of the movie, and I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that Sean Connery was bucking the establishment. He might have been the Donald Trump of that movie. <laughs> and then you have like a, a DeSantis or uh, McCarthy or somebody like that who's the Kevin Costner yeah, yeah, figure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you need the guy that was like the accountant that with goes the, in yeah, and traces the, all yeah. of the <laughs> invest, you know, all the money and all that. Follow the money and see where that goes. He also showed I mean, himself to use analogy. a machine gun pretty well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm with you, Charles. It's a beautiful call. You're always beautiful with our language and analogies. Thank you, sir. I'm Seth six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Portions of this show are brought to you by Solar Sandy. She's the woman who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. The difference between Solar Sandy and the other solar companies is that she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's super important when going solar, you do it the right way. That's Solar Sandy. She has the formula. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back into your pocket. When you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months, and the first 50 families will receive a $1,000 signing bonus. That's right. No solar panel payments, no power bills for 12 months, and a $1,000 bonus at signing. There's no better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. That's AskSolarSandy.com. Uh, let's see. Where am I going to next? Lisa in Phoenix. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Seth. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. So the last caller, the last thing he said was follow the money. So what I'm wondering is we hear about the stimulus bill and that 9% of it was actually for COVID. And it was supposed to be a COVID bill. Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing anyone delineate exactly line by line what it is that money's going to. That's my money. That's your money. Mm-hmm. And this new bill, where is that money going? We hear it's for the Green New Deal. But how do we find out exactly who it's going to and what it's for? And why isn't that publicized? I mean, I think even if Democrats hear where this money's going to, they would be a little concerned, too. But the bottom line is not politics. It's control and it's takeover of our government. And the bottom line is we're going to be bankrupt. You know, I, I heard this thing in... Sorry. Sorry. So I think people in Brazil, I just heard they're eating 
feeding zebras at the zoo because they don't have food. That's where socialism takes you. All the people at the top have all the money, and everybody else has to live how they can live because the top group gets the money like Bernie Sanders and his millions. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, I don't know. I, it sounded like we lost uh, we lost her there, but um, I take it. Uh, I, I take I take your, your your multiple points, and I guess I was making a related point yesterday that's worth reiterating here, or repeating here, which is it's one thing for leftism in America, leftism in uh, in this country to act on the streets through riots, protests, and community organizing. It's the same thing for leftist socialists to make uh, incursions into our legal system through nonprofit uh, legal uh, means like the ACLU and other 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 liberal legal uh, prosecution and defense funds. Uh, it's part and parcel of um, the ordinary left to use the media and Hollywood and our education system to propagandize. But it's an entirely different accelerant. It's the difference between third gear. And sixth gear or fifth gear. It's the difference between um, junior varsity and professional sports when you get the power of the government in place and behind you as well. Because now you have not just the Department of Justice with prosecutorial preference. You also get um, a favorable IRS. You get favorable uh, law enforcement means. And most importantly, you get money. You get money. You get these kind of omnibus pieces of legislation that can funnel your money, as you put it, Lisa, and my money into all forms of organizations and efforts we find abhorrent that offend our consciences consciences, and that we should have no business funding in the first place, never mind funding them given how controversial they are. Um, how, 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 did, how, did, how did Thomas Jefferson put it? Um, being forced uh, – I'll get it. Give me half a second. Give me half a second. Um, to compel a man to furnish funds for the propagation of ideas he disbelieves and abhors is sinful and tyrannical. Thomas Jefferson. To compel a man to furnish funds for the propagation of ideas he disbelieves and abhors is sinful and tyrannical. What we saw in the streets throughout last year – and are seeing in our educational curricula and on the media and in Hollywood now gets funds furnished to it because of the political power of the Democratic Party now in the White House and in charge of Congress. We thought it was sinful and tyrannical when they were just running the streets and weren't in governmental power. Now they have also governmental 
power. It's like um, it's like in the Avengers when Iron Man says, "We have a Hulk." Lance is uh, Lance is in Phoenix and has been patient. Hello, Lance. Hi, Seth. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good, good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. You uh, bet. Just you know, one you know one good bulwark because it uh, against the federal government and states' rights and such of that of that nature is you know uh, a constitutional convention. Uh, I don't know that we're quite there, and uh, just the chaos that could ensue from a constitutional convention uh, is, in my opinion, unknown uh, what would actually happen. So perhaps a stepping stone to hopefully push back against federal tyranny is uh, for an interstate. You broke up right. At, you broke up right at, at, at your uh, at your denouement there, Lance. Uh, an interstate what? The solution is an interstate uh, in, what? An interstate compact. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, kind of. You know, pairing. You know, uh, an Articles of Confederation type thing, where uh, you know, thirty-two Republican conservative leading states say, "Hey, uh, you know, we really don't like what you're doing, and you know, we're just creating this organization here, this interstate compact where." Every state sends delegates, and there's like you know a little quasi Congress, and perhaps even they elect a president. <laughs> okay, okay, what? this is good. Hold on, I I like where you're going with this, and and I want to and I want to weigh in on it as well. Stay with me, Lance, and I'll let you finish up the scenario on the other side of this break. I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. We were talking with Lance in Phoenix, who was outlining a scenario um, uh, where states can um, states can push back against the federal government. Lance, go go ahead, sir. Go right ahead. Great. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, a kind of an Articles of Confederation type template where every state has an equal vote, uh, and you know, if and when you know, so we can create some sort of you know loose. Uh, additional government, if you would, that oversees this interstate compact, have a legislature where every state sends delegates of vice on population and the state, you know, a bicameral legislature, uh, even have a president of sorts. And uh, if and when, the, you know, we deem that it's uh, just the federal government's gone too far, if I would just say, you know, within their bylaws or constitution, if two-thirds of state legislatures or, or governors of the states the several states, you know, since they're all independent nations, essentially, uh, deem that the United States government, because, you know, mind you, the United States is not a country, it's a government, a federalized government. Uh, we just, you know, say, hey, we're just going to disregard what you say and uh, have a nice day. Because, uh, you know, and just leave them, stick them with the debt and just move along uh, <laughs> with, uh, move along with our business and, uh, you know, I think we're getting close to this being necessary based on your last caller, just with the, the left such disdain for for conservatives that, you know, if they could, they would put every conservative in the gulag. Uh, and the only two options to, to that is the first option, which I don't think is good or proper, is, you you know, whoever gets put in the gulag first loses. Um or the second one just saying, hey, let's just go our separate ways. And this would give us the infrastructure to do that. Um, so here, there's, there's, there's a lot I could talk about with you on this, Lance. But, but let, me, let me just say preliminarily, and we can return to it. 
any kind of notion that will boost conservative outcomes based on political maneuver requires courts that are willing to side with you and enforce and find what you're doing constitutional and what the feds are doing un- unconstitutional. And in a movement of limited efforts, uh, I worry about concentrating on creating new governments and reducing our size on a notion that was outlined by those who believed in nullification and the cause of the Confederacy. I would just hate to think that this is a party that has to do that and thus make ourselves smaller rather than be a party that tries to make ourselves bigger and win the institutions that we would need to win not only policy arguments but constitutional arguments. We can talk more about it. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.